You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I'm talking today about probiotics. Joining me once again is Dr. Maria Mascarenas, who is from CHOP as well in the Division of Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition. She is also the Director of Nutrition Support Services, the Section Chief of Nutrition in the Division of Gastroenterology and Nutrition, the Medical Director of the Clinical Nutrition Department, and the Director of the Integrative Health Program. So thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, Katie, it's a pleasure to speak with you. So we're going to start talking about probiotics, and to do that, I need you to tell me a little bit about what are probiotics and what are prebiotics. Great. So uh, probiotics are bacteria, or I should say microorganisms, Mm -hmm. that have a positive effect on your body's health when you uh, eat them in adequate amounts. Mm -hmm. So it's really uh, microorganisms. Uh, Prebiotics are nutrients that help the growth of probiotics. Mm, Um, And so that's that's a key difference. And so um, you can take probiotics Mm -hmm. and you can take prebiotics or you can take them both together Mm -hmm. and then um, have different effects. Got it, okay, good. That'll help clarify as we go through some of our other questions, um, what we're talking about. But so some infant formulas now say that they contain probiotics and sometimes I've seen prebiotics. So is there evidence that these show benefit to infants and is there any potential harm? So the, as you know, infant formulas were designed based on breast milk. Mm -hmm. And so we know that breast milk has pre and probiotics Mm -hmm. and um, they are now being added to infant formula to try and mimic what's breast milk because Mm -hmm. we all agree that breast milk is best. Uh, But when you can't use breast milk, um, uh, infant formula with pre and probiotics is actually a good way mm. to go. So there's data showing that um, there's lower lowering of the stool pH, mm-hmm. better stool consistency and frequency. There are higher numbers of a very important bacteria called Bifidobacter mm-hmm. um, in children, who, uh, infants who have um, pre and probiotic fortified formula. Mm-hmm. And also there's some data saying that the immune response is better mm-hmm. and these children might have fewer infections. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the the uh, stool uh, microbiome uh, ends up being more like infants who are on breast milk, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, there's more and more research coming out. But but there is definitely a shift that we can see, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's harmful to babies because mm-hmm. breast milk has it in them. Right. Um, so so far, there's no harm that has been shown from fortifying formula. Great. I have seen some studies showing benefit to using probiotics to prevent antibiotic-associated diarrhea, and that's um, what I use them most for, and also to shorten the duration of acute infectious diarrhea. Are there other conditions for which we should consider using probiotics in short term? So there is very nice literature on um, inflammatory bowel disease, Mm -hmm. irritable bowel syndrome. Um, There's some nice data on colic. and in terms of intestinal inflammation, um, ATOP and allergy, the data is not as strong, but mm-hmm. there are some studies showing that. There's a very nice study looking at mothers taking a probiotic mm-hmm. to decrease the incidence of eczema 
Mm. So in terms of prevention, mm-hmm. but there's no good study saying that you can treat eczema with a probiotic. Mm-hmm. There's also some studies that have looked at constipation. Mm-hmm. Uh, could, could probiotics kind of change constipation? And again, that in that case, it has to do with changing your flora, mm-hmm. changing your bacteria, making it more healthy. And so then your stools change with mm-hmm. that. It's also been tried in things like vaginal infections, urinary tract infections. Mm-hmm. Oh, a big one is Clostridium difficile infection. Mm-hmm. if there's very nice data looking at uh, probiotics, um, prevention and treatment of CDF. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we would still go with antibiotics first, but maybe right. um, end up with putting patients on a probiotic to kind of prevent it from coming because recurrent CDF mm-hmm. is Mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. a big problem. Yeah, it's difficult to treat. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned um, mothers. So I have a lot of breastfeeding mothers who ask me, if I take a probiotic, will that help my baby? Is that the case? Yes, there was a study looking at pregnant and then breastfeeding moms mm-hmm. with less eczema in their children. Mm-hmm. And they were children, I think the study was done in Europe, mm-hmm. and they were, they were children who had a higher risk of getting mm-hmm. uh, eczema and other allergies based on their family history. The bottom line is a probiotic is something that you take. Mm -hmm. But if you could really take what's called prebiotics, Mm -hmm. which is in food, these are products in food, you could change your microbiome Mm -hmm. and change the stool frequency and pattern, etc. naturally without buying a product, by Mm -hmm. just eating good fruits and vegetables. So prebiotics are mostly in fruits and vegetables? Mm -hmm. So let me give you some examples. Mm -hmm. Asparagus, bananas, oatmeal, honey. Maple syrup legumes. These are all um, natural prebiotics. There's a product called inulin, which is a fiber product, mm-hmm. and that's present naturally. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a lot of patients now have great success with inulin. Now, you and I know that though we want children to have fruits and veggies and all these mm-hmm. whole grain products, sometimes it's hard. Right. So, an inulin supplement actually has been. I've been using it more frequently, and patients are reporting uh, good success. Again, this is for the very mild early constipation. Right. I think once you hit a point, then you right. need medications. Diet alone isn't going to do it. Right. So the, you mentioned foods. So there are some foods that contain probiotics too. So which should kids eat and which may be unsafe? So um, the things I'm thinking of that I've heard about are kombucha, apple cider vinegar, raw milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so should should kids be eating these things or is there any risk to some of these raw um, foods. Okay, so let's talk about the ones you mentioned first, so we get them out of the way, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to tell you some other pro- uh, some other uh, foods that contain probiotics. So we call these foods fermented products, mm-hmm. and it's actually a great way of getting probiotics into your body through natural food. Mm-hmm. And a lot of cultures have used this for centuries. Mm-hmm. So um, yogurt has been used, kefir has been used, mm-hmm. um, sauerkraut. You know, so they're different right. uh, products. So raw milk, I'm I'm not. Uh, in favor of personally, mm-hmm. only because with raw milk, there's the risk of getting salmonella, E. coli, listeria, right. and we don't want our patients to get that. Right. But I'll, I'll, that one's uh, in you a know, separate category. That's in a separate category. I think with kombucha, kombucha has to be made right mm-hmm. with clean containers, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is in the literature um, some side effects related to nausea, lactic acidosis, mm-hmm. liver damage. Mm-hmm. allergy and I think in part that's due to the risk of contamination with mold and harmful bacteria mm-hmm. so kombucha has been used for centuries mm-hmm. and has a lot of beneficial properties so if you don't make it right mm-hmm. I think you're going to run into problems right. and you have to also dose it right you can't just guzzle it like right. you know so I think there's 
there's um, if you drink, if you use it the way it was originally mm-hmm. used back in Manchuria, which is where this comes from in China, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to run into any problems. Right. Okay. But apple cider vinegar is interesting. It's very popular, and it's basically fermented juice from crushed apples. Mm-hmm. You get the nutrients that you would get from apples, mm-hmm. but People have talked about apple cider vinegar again being contaminated, getting burns because it was so acidic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I don't think we have a huge problem with it in children because mm-hmm. I don't think kids are going <laughs> to drink apple cider vinegar. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty sharp the taste. Yeah, yeah. But the good uh, fermented foods are yogurt, mm-hmm. sauerkraut, um, soft cheeses because cheeses mm-hmm. are fermented, uh, kefir, sourdough bread. Mm-hmm. You know, sourdough. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like sourdough yeah. bread? Buttermilk, fermented milk. So mm-hmm. these are miso. There are there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Pickles. And mm-hmm. I often say is if you can learn how to do this yourself, mm-hmm. pickling and uh, making sauerkraut at home, mm-hmm. um, it's even better than buying it from the store. Right. right. Great. Those are some good good foods. Um, you mentioned yogurt, which obviously is one of the more popular ones mm-hmm. and one of the ones that kids eat the most of. Mm-hmm. Um, but not all yogurts contain probiotics. And we know lots of them mm-hmm. contain other things like sugar and sprinkles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how do parents know which yogurt they should be giving their children? So one is to look at the container mm-hmm. and to see if it has live cultures or not. Mm-hmm. And if it has live cultures, that's the one you want. Great. The other thing I do is look to see how much sugar there is and what mm-hmm. else there is. Right. And I think the ultimate would be is if you can get organic milk or good milk, Mm -hmm. and then the one pot is so popular now, you can actually make yogurt in Mm -hmm. a one pot, the recipes for that. The instant pot? The instant pot, that's right. That's right. It has a yogurt setting. (laughs) Yeah, there's a yogurt setting. And that, and if you, if you taste that yogurt, it tastes differently from store-bought yogurt Mm -hmm. because there's no sugar, Mm -hmm. but you could add good things like honey Honey. into it Mm -hmm. and dried fruit or fresh fruit or granola or maple syrup. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. You have no idea how much time I spend in the yogurt aisle just looking at sugar content. Yeah, it is a problem. Really hard. And wouldn't it be great to be able to control what you put in the yogurt? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. So how do we know as pediatricians how to dose probiotics? And there appear to be many different products that often contain different strains that are on the market. So is one strain better than another? Does it matter? Sometimes I see them um, in capsules. Sometimes they're in the refrigerator section. How do I know which one to tell my patient to use? Okay. So there are tons of products out there. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I know about all of the products. But in general, a good way to look at a probiotic is if it has lactobacillus and bifidobacteria, mm-hmm. many strains, mm-hmm. that's good. Okay. It should have millions to billions of units, mm-hmm. um, um, probably more than the billions of units. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if, um, if, if it's in a capsule or tablet, they generally don't need to be refrigerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they come in, um, but if, it, if the label says refrigerate, then you need to refrigerate mm-hmm. them. When they put them in a capsule or a blister pack, mm-hmm. then usually they have sealed them in a way that it's freeze dried mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't need refrigeration. But I still would not keep probiotics in the sun right. or where it's very hot. Um, once you open a blister pack, mm-hmm. you need to consume it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because, again, you've exposed it to the normal room temperature and the environment, Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, the probiotic may not be as as potent as Mm -hmm. if you... you, But I think if it were liquid or drops, Mm -hmm. and if it said refrigerate, then you would need to keep it in there. Mm -hmm. Great. I know for kids, too, when we talk about 
we've talked many times about picky eaters. They, it's nice that it comes in a liquid, and I've also seen the granules that parents could mix in with um, right. food, like, you know, their applesauce, mm-hmm. and they could stir mm-hmm. in the probiotics. So there's lots of ways that parents can give it to kids even when they can't swallow pills. Correct. So another concern that I hear from a lot of people is that since dietary supplements are not regulated by the FDA, how do we know whether or not we're recommending a safe probiotic to our patients? And should we learn any of the brand names um, and and stick with one? Um, Or how do we know what to suggest to parents who are looking to buy something over the counter? So uh, that's a a great question because... I don't know all the products. Mm-hmm. There are lots of them out there. I think the ones that have a good amount of quality control, mm-hmm. uh, Culturel is one, mm-hmm. uh, Flora Store is another one, mm-hmm. uh, these two, but there are many others. And I'll just rattle off a few names of sure. the ones I know. So BioGaia mm-hmm. makes good products, Floragen, mm-hmm. Garden of Life, Claire Labs, um, VSL is a great product, actually. Mm-hmm. It's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Align, Activia. Um, and then I think that um, you can also go to consumer labs, mm-hmm. uh, and they often will check out probiotics and tell you if they have what's in them, mm-hmm. um, if um, you know what the quality is like. So Great. they actually do testing on probiotics. Great, that's good to know. Um, does insurance typically cover a prescription for a probiotic, or do families need to buy this over the counter? They need to buy it over the counter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we try to get it. Uh, there's some patients on Medicaid mm-hmm. where um, uh, Medicaid will cover a probiotic, mm-hmm. but often um, we have to um, uh, they have to buy it over the counter. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes for inflammatory bowel disease, we can get VSL covered, mm-hmm. but sometimes they'll cover it and then then they stop. So right. in general, this has become something where you yeah. have to pay. Which is why I think if prebiotics work, then mm-hmm. doing the diet is cheaper. Plus, you're getting the goodness of the food. Right. Right. Yeah, it's unfortunate though because they are so expensive for yes. families. It'd be nice yes. if insurance would cover them too. Maybe as more research is absolutely out. absolutely. So are there any particular populations who should not use probiotics, such as preemies or immunocompromised children? So I think definitely children with short bowel syndrome, Mm -hmm. children who have central lines, Mm -hmm. those who are immunocompromised should not use probiotics. Mm -hmm. The premature infant is an interesting um, group Mm -hmm. because they've actually shown um, good prevention of necrotizing enterocolitis Mm -hmm. with probiotics. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those patients are immunocompromised. And I know there are some NICUs that will not allow those formulas in the NICU, mm-hmm. so I think we still don't know right. um, what what's the right thing that should be done. But there is very good prevention of neck mm-hmm. using probiotics, mm-hmm. which is interesting, yeah. right? The yeah, the premium immune system is so interesting and yeah. complex. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we always thought that. Uh, when babies were in utero, that the womb was sterile, but mm-hmm. now we know it's not sterile. Right. So you wonder whether they're exposed to it then, should they be exposed to it when they come out? Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of evolving research on the microbiome in kids um, who are born via vaginal delivery versus C section, too, right? So Correct. Correct. It's a whole other population who may benefit from probiotics yeah. that we don't know about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where can we learn more if we wanted to know more about probiotics and uh, prebiotics? So um, we have PFE in the development, so stay tuned for that. Okay. I think the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health and Nutrition is a great, it's part of the NIH, mm-hmm. and it's an excellent place to go and look up anything about integrative medicine, herbals, probiotics, mm-hmm. prebiotics, because all the 
all the data there is all evidence-based. Mm-hmm. I think Consumer Labs that I mentioned is a good place to check out products, specific mm-hmm. products. And then I think it's hard. You can do literature searches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always find that when I'm doing a Google search, because we still do them, yeah. that anything that comes out of a university or a children's hospital mm-hmm. is also a good, is also a legitimate way. Or something that comes out of the AAP mm-hmm. or any leading organization. Those are well vetted, uh, evidence based documents. Mm-hmm. Great. And remind us again how we can refer patients to you in the integrative uh, health program. So any inquiries, all inquiries can come to integrativehealth at email.chop.edu. So just email us Mm -hmm. and then we'll take it from there. So we would see if you needed a nutrition appointment or a a gastroenterology appointment or a food reactions clinic appointment or an acupuncture appointment. So Mm -hmm. we would kind of sort through everything through that. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us more about probiotics and prebiotics. We have a lot of information that will help us with our patients, and we always appreciate your advice. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to talk to you and to talk to your audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcasts for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.